This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official brew of Last Second Victory. Looking for something to calm down that fast-beating heart? Crack a Stoney's. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G Stryker, and with us is our player guru, Brad Lambert. Brad, how's your heart doing after that last game in Jacksonville, man? I'll say this. It didn't look good to start, man, but uh, we got a resilient group, and they pulled it out. That was the most lopsided start to finish that I've ever seen. Usually, you know, when Ben's in this situation or the offense is in this situation where they start slow by the third quarter, it seems like they're still in quicksand and it builds and builds and they just don't do anything the entire game. Maybe throwing like a garbage touchdown or something when they're already down by multiple scores. But the way that they came back in this game was just epic to watch as a fan. I mean, I was <laughs> honestly, I was screaming at the television. My wife said, we just watched the Pittsburgh dad video. And she says, you were exactly like the Pittsburgh dad, except you were swearing the entire time. And I said, you're damn right. Because I have Steelers Tourette's when I watch the game and it gets into situations like that. That's hysterical. <laughs> I mean, for me, honestly, it was more like deja vu. Yeah. You know, it was almost the same start to the the last two games, specifically the playoff game. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really bad to watch. The The defense couldn't stop the run. The offense couldn't get first downs. Um, and Blake Bortles did nothing yeah. other than hand the ball off. Yeah. And <laughs> that just shows you how committed they are to the run, but also how committed they are to Blake Bortles not doing a damn thing. It's, it's so, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to me how little he did in the game. I mean, he was credited for 104 yards, but the net, his net passing when you factor in the the, the sack yardage on the six sacks. So he had 64 net yards passing when you factor in the sacks on that game. And that's that's nothing. It's like it's you might as well just have a wildcat quarterback if that's going to be your guy. Yeah. Well, I don't think he'll be their guy for uh, much longer. Let's put it that way. Because if he if he made one play, mm. one, they win that game. Yep. If he could extend one play or get a first down when they needed it, you're you're damn right about that, man. You're damn right. Yep. And just one play. We're watching the game. The defense is playing well. The defense is keeping them in that game. And first three drives get into range. Hey, we're, we're holding them to field goals instead of touchdowns, especially when they're turning the ball over. And that's why, to me, it felt like the regular season game, because that regular season game last year against Jacksonville, Ben was just throwing interceptions at, at, at a rapid clip. And Well, you know why? Why's that? Because they abandoned the run. True. And that's what their strength like, is it, then. There was, yeah. 
Well, yeah. I that mean, you sense. become one-dimensional, yeah. right? Yep. And then they're just prepared for the pass. They mm. stop running the football mm. almost the start of the second quarter in this game. Yeah. You know, James had like nine carries for like, what, 20 yards? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's just like you're it's not, not... going to scare anybody with that kind of stuff. Yeah, but fortunately they were able to pull it back out. I mean, if, if you just look at the numbers – from the first three quarters until the last two minutes of the third quarter when they started their first touchdown drive up through the end of the game. I mean, Ben started off just absolutely atrociously. So in the first half, 43 minutes of play, Ben had 85 yards passing, two interceptions. The last 17 minutes of the game, he became, you know, the Hall of Fame caliber quarterback that we're all used to seeing comeback Ben 238 yards three touchdowns in 17 minutes it was just an absolute night and day difference it was really great to see him turn that on I don't think it was that big of a change man yeah so what did you say I mean first off I think the five days or whatever it was really didn't help the team I don't want to say they were rusty but they certainly didn't have a groove yeah and when they became one-dimensional became really hard to do really anything because Jacksonville may be three and six now three and seven. Yeah. But they're a hell of a scary team. Man. They are. And, and they got it, everybody it, back it, in that game. It seemed like all the, well, all the, the, both corners were healthy. The linemen they're getting back in and healthy and everybody was making plays. Miles Jack was making plays all over the middle of the field. I mean, it was, it was definitely a different team than a team that's lost five in a row. They seem to be getting healthy now and, and, and yeah, I mean, I I think their hole is too big now to really make the playoffs or anything. But yeah, you know, for me, it was like how we talked about Cam Newton the other day, right? Yeah, where if if Cam's smiling, you're in trouble, right? Yeah, this yep. is the kind of team that defense you allow them to make a few plays and they start feeling themselves, uh-huh. you're in trouble, and yeah. that's exactly what happened yeah. early on. Man, I think we had two or three you know, three and out, and then the first turnover, they really started to feel themselves. Yeah. And for a team with no confidence coming in, I mean, they feel like they own us. Yeah. I, you yep. know, I don't yeah, really do. know why. They beat us twice. Yeah. But, you know, uh, even after the game, Leonard Fournette posted something on Instagram, mm. and it was a picture of him and, and the guys, a, a group photo. Yeah. And he said, we're still two and one against you clowns. <laughs> I still roll with my guys, you know, and Vince yeah. Williams, yeah. Vince Williams responded to the post uh-huh. and he was like, Oh, you real mad. <laughs> and then, uh, Shazier, uh, commented as well. Uh-huh. And he had like three, like happy party emojis. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was just like, but that, but that's <laughs> like, they're so delusional. Yeah. You know, the, the, you would have thought they've swept us the last seven years and, you know, won a Super Bowl and all that. Yeah. You know, as Mike Tomlin always says, as long as we have number seven, we always have a chance, even if there's two and a half minutes left on the board. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the yeah. defense, our defense. Incredible. Incredible game. They they won the game for us. Yeah, they because did. Because if you look game. at the first – Yep. If you look at the games last year, mm-hmm. we lost because we couldn't hold them to three. They let them score touchdowns last year, mm-hmm. and instead of nine nothing, it was twenty one nothing. 
That was the difference this year. Their secondary now is playing with so much confidence, and they're instituting now a more complex defense. You can see that they're you know not confused, not out of position. Everybody knows their role now when they're switching to do these new plays. And they absolutely shut down the entire passing game. Obviously, the running game was still working for them in the whole first half, but the passing game itself, you're talking about all of the wide receivers on the team finished out of 10 targets. They finished with five receptions for 45 yards, and that's all the wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, that's you know that's, yeah. that's Hayden, Hilton, Sensabaugh doing their job, and the safeties filling in on the back end. I mean, yeah. everybody was locking down everyone. I mean, the, the biggest receiver on the team was Fournette, and he had 47 rushing yards or 47 passing receiving yards out of the backfield. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, a problem. I mean, he's a hell of a player. I mean, don't get him wrong. I mean, he he looked a lot healthier in this game than I've seen him on all season. And he, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to take away anything from what our secondary did. Yeah, I thought they played great. Yeah, but I also being realistic, they weren't challenged much at all. Right. Uh-huh. Um, well, they, so uh, that that's one thing they didn't allow big plays. Yeah. The one thing I will say about the secondary mm-hmm. is guys like Sean Davis, guys like Joe Hayden, mm-hmm. guys like Jordan Dangerfield. Yeah. They came up and they tackled, man. Yes, he did. And and that's that's what they needed to do in the second half is not allow Fournette yeah. to really get any momentum. Yes. Yeah. And that was a big change that I saw. They started putting Dangerfield in a little bit more. Uh, for like a uh, more of a bigger base package because they were going only with one wide receiver, so Steelers were were countering with a tackling safety. So yep, that that was the big difference in the first half. You had Fournette at seventy five yards going into the first half. You're like, oh my gosh, he's going to have a monster game. Second half, twenty yards. Held, the Steelers still held him underneath of a hundred total yards on the game. I mean, that's a, a minor Incredible. victory in, its, in itself, and it's a great in-game adjustment to be able to take what was their biggest threat on offense in the first half and be able to limit him more in the second half. I mean, he got most of his receiving, yard, receiving yardage in the second half, but all that grinding yardage where they were just knocking out first down after first down on every every running play, it seemed, 8, 9, yeah. 12. I mean, those chunk yardage, that it was gone in the second half. I mean, they had yeah. their drive was good, but it was still limited. I mean, they had shorter runs on that long, the long touchdown drive that they had. But I mean, th- this is a resilient bunch. I mean, down sixteen nothing <laughs> to come back in the, this way on the road. I mean, it, it, I did not, I was not anticipating this at all, and I was super happy to see it. I mean, you you still got to give kudos to Ben for essentially seventeen minutes getting. Still up to three hundred. You're over three hundred yards passing, three touchdowns yeah. total, two passing, one run in there at the end to win it. You have Juju and AB again, both over a hundred yards, but getting the majority of their yardage in the fourth quarter. I mean, they're just finding ways to win, even though they were losing the time of possession, twenty-two minutes to thirty-eight minutes. They were still able to come back and win this game. I mean. The first half obviously was the biggest time of possession difference because running the game, they just owned the clock. Steelers just could not get them off of the field until they got them in, yep. in a third and manageable position for the defense to at least get a win out of it or get a pressure. And fortunately, we had some timely sacks also, which helped them out in that respect. 
But man, yeah, man, our, our front seven is generating a lot of pressure, and they're bringing down the quarterback. We lead the league in sacks. Yep, and that is huge, absolutely huge. Still getting six six more sacks in a game where they only dropped back twenty four times. Twenty, yeah, because there's. I think they passed 18 times. He was sacked six times, and then he tried rushing twice. So, yeah, 26 yeah. dropbacks. You have six sacks. That's a nice percentage to have. You know, every... How many times did Ben throw the ball? Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 47 times. I mean, that that's a lot, man. Yeah. Like, that, you, you can't expect Ben or any quarterback for that matter, when you're one-dimensional, yeah. to throw the ball that many times and win. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's That's yeah. why you can't abandon the run. And, and you're right. The run was completely abandoned. And you're right. Connor had only nine carries for 25 yards. Ben added two rushes, but both rushes are essentially from um, where he was being rushed and trying to avoid a sack or the final play of the game. Those were his only two rushes yeah. of the game. I mean, he's not the threat to run there. So essentially... You know, they pared it down. It was nine plays versus 49 plays that were intended intended to be passes. That's, yeah, that's not balance at all. That's not something you want to see. No. So, I mean, I I think that's something they'll obviously stick with Mm -hmm. this week in Denver. I don't see them abandoning the run that early. I think they honestly panicked a little bit just just in that sense to – you know, they were down what nine nothing started the second quarter. Yeah, you would have thought they were down twenty one nothing that they had to hurry up and catch up. Yeah, we pulled it out, man, and and it's a credit to Ben for you know hanging in there for a rough start. Yeah, but also that defense as a whole as a unit, and then I gotta say Juju Smith Schuster, man, what a player! He oh is. man, he is really turning into his own player. I I know. There's been some uh, some reports out and some articles out about Tomlin starting to lightly refer to Juju Smith-Schuster as a Heinz Ward. And I remember back when Heinz was playing, I mean, you just always expected Heinz to make that catch to help you win the yeah. game. Big third down, third and long. Heinz just made that catch. And Juju is turning into that guy. Except he's not Heinz Ward. I mean, Heinz Ward... <laughs> was a big-bodied linebacker essentially playing wide receiver. And you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, who's longer and leaner but still tough and really can get up in high point a lot higher than Hines would have been able to. And he's using all of his frame and ability and speed a bit faster than Hines, too. Hines was smart. Hines was a smart root runner and created separation with his quickness. Juju can do both, and he has that top-end gear. So, I mean, it's really yeah. nice to see – Juju as a really unique player. He's he's just amazing to watch to me. I really think they, you know, AB and Juju complement each other very well. They do. Um, you know, Martavis Bryant and AB really was a nice duo. Yeah. But uh, the consistency really wasn't there mm-hmm. from Mar- Martavis. But AB posted something the other day, a picture of him and Juju, and was like, pick your poison. <laughs> and and it's, it's nice. true. because yeah, it is. You know, that between A.B. and Juju, mm. then you throw guys like Vance McDonald in there, who yeah. I still think yeah. isn't getting the ball enough. Yeah. Um, what a playmaker he is as well. Just a big physical guy who 
always seems to manage to make a big play. Yeah, two weeks in a row and, making uh, big big touchdown catches in the back of the end zone oh, where it looks like man. nobody could have gotten those balls. I mean, he's that's a huge yeah. difference in these games. You're right about that. He's a, he's a stud, man. I mean, I, I'm not going to put him in the Gronk category, but oh. I honestly think he could really be a nasty, nasty tight end for years to come because yeah. – He's starting to find his groove, and from a consistency standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, knock on wood, he hasn't been injured. Yes, which has some, been something that's plagued Gronk for so many years. Yeah, but you know, a big physical guy, athletic guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say he's going to be better in Gronk, but man, he he has the potential to really make some noise in the league. Plus, I already think he's a better blocker than Gronk. Gronk really oh, yeah, for sure. isn't really known for you know putting his head down and creating space in the running game, and that is something that no. Vance does excel at. And that's why they were always working him in to be the starter over top of Jesse James because he is a superior blocker. He's a bigger body, he gets better leverage, and he's he just has more of an intent and, and a nastiness, it seems like, to his blocking. Though, don't get me wrong, I love me some Jesse James as well. But it seems like, you know... Vance McDonald is the better all-around tight end. He is more athletic. He's faster. He's stronger, and that's without question. Yeah, and it's it's just good to see him, like you're saying, being healthy now and coming into his own, man. And you're right about that, man. And I gotta also give the kudos to the defense. Defense was really killing it in the game. Watt, another monster game with two sacks. Both sacks were, were strip sacks. I mean, this this is the guy that's starting to turn sacks into fumbles. He's putting balls on the ground. The Steelers have to start jumping on these balls. Yep. They did at the end of the game, obviously, with Hayward finishing them off. But, you know, when you start getting into the situations mid-game, early on in the game to create momentum for your team, he's going to be making these plays. And and it's fun to see him really coming to his own. And congrats for also hitting – he's at 10 sacks already. Last When's the last time the Steelers had 10 sacks? Since uh, Lamar Woodley and James Harrison. Yep. <laughs> that's it. Wow, but uh, it's good to see us starting to make some noise there with the outside linebackers. And yeah. you also had um, Hargrave coming out of, you know, really opening up in that last game. Best game of his career. He had to, and, and you're right, and he had to have a big game. I mean, you're without to it. Alualu did well, too. I mean, he still ended up with about seven tackles in that game, uh, but... Man, it was really nice to see Hargrave not only control the middle of the field, but be really big in the, in the against the run. Had a, he batted ball, he had two sacks, two tackles for losses. Vince Williams again, ten tackles with a sack and a tackle for a loss and a pass defense. I think it was a tip. And Cameron Hayward, always solid, five tackles, one was a sack and two tackles for loss. So, I mean, it, I, I will say this. I will say this. Yeah. Okay. We missed step onto it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Bad. It took a little bit of time for, for the Steelers to adjust, and they did it by adjusting with bringing in more safeties as opposed to putting in somebody else on the line instead of a Lua Correct. Yeah. And you're, yeah, yeah. Great notice. That's a, that's a, a so, great so we, observation. We need him to get back. Yeah. And there's some good so news about it. He's, he's back. He stated yesterday on the ra- on his radio show or in his radio interview that he feels good. He's going to try to go this week. We we were both discussing this last week on the podcast, and you mentioned that it was his, the same elbow that uh, he injured the previous year. 
Uh, I'm just hoping that it's not the same type of injury to that elbow because that did reduce a lot of his strength, and he was not the same player down the stretch last year. Yeah, I mean, he also, congrats, Stefan, on the uh, birth of his, I want to say, daughter. Yes, I did see that picture on uh, on Instagram. That was amazing yeah. to see. So even though he was, it was a blessing in disguise, I guess, being out injured because he got to enjoy the birth of his daughter. And yeah, yeah. congratulations to him and the Tuit family for adding a plus one. That is great. That is great. Yeah, he's a great guy, so I'm really happy for his family. Nice. So, um, Brad, looking at the game, who would you give your three balls to? Definitely start with Juju Smith-Schuster. Yep. Nice. Two humongous catches uh, at the end of the game that really helped win the game. Yep. Uh, He didn't score a touchdown, but those catches were enormous. They needed them. Yep. Um, Both were really needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And uh, the second I'll give – to Antonio Brown. Yep. I think he, obviously, the the touchdown was huge, really got us back in the game. Uh, And then he made a few catches in uh, key time at the end of the game to get us down the field. He took that one inside the three. Yep. uh, Which set up the game-winning score. Yep. And that was on Ramsey as well. Yep. Yeah. And then I will give the last game ball to – Javon Hargrave. Oh, I mean, nice. uh, at, well, let, let's show Jay Wobble some love. <laughs> yeah, <deserves> man. <laughs> You're right. And that's a, that's the, the best game of his career easily. And I hope he builds on it. And down. Really great to see. Well, my three balls, my first ball, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit out of the box for. I'm going to give it to Cody Sensible. Sensible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is Sensible's now the starter. He's replaced Burns. And like I told you earlier, they locked down the the, uh, the wide receivers. He did his job, and not only did they hold the wide receivers to under 50 yards total, all their wide receivers, but he also pitched in for seven tackles, helping out in the run game, coming up and making short short tackles on shorter catches as well. So he was he played a solid game. We're not used to seeing solid play from the other side so far, so it's really nice to see Sensiball get in there, make some solid plays not be a liability, and actually be a strength and help that secondary to become more of a strength for the Steelers. So kudos to you, Cody. My second one, Mr. TJ Watt! Two sacks, two forced fumbles, two tackles for loss, strip sacks. The guy's making plays. He's got the high motor. He's up to 10 sacks. You can tell he's trying to chase his big brother, too. He, he wants to be as good as his big brother, and you can tell each and every time he steps out there on the field – Every play, he's taken 100, percent and I just love seeing that out of a, out of a Steeler player, and I'm happy as hell we have him. And my final, he's a Steeler man. Yeah, he's man. a Steeler. <laughs> now I'm just like, when can we get his brother? I mean, don't you want to play with your brother? He should come here. <laughs> <laughs> so my final game ball, it's got to go to Big Ben. I mean, he started off slow in the game. It was a, a tough game. They made us one dimensional, like you were saying. But man, did he really come through in the clutch? He showed that he's the comeback king. He passed his former idol, John Elway, for number six on the list. And now Big Ben is is number five, I believe, in fourth quarter comebacks. But just his play both with his arms and seeing that busted play at the end of the game with eight seconds on the clock, shovel pass was already already covered underneath by Miles Jack on uh, Vance McDonald. It was completely taken away. Ben had to look right. A.B. was covered. 
Connors really wasn't looking back for a pass, so he's like, I got to do this myself. And went straight for the end zone and made the play. And fortunately, on that play, which I, I did an article on, it's I call it the hidden play of the game. Matt Feeler, man, he might he made probably the best IQ play that an offensive lineman could make to make sure that they win that game. Because Ben put his head down, and he put his head down right where Feeler was. So essentially, when Ben dove, he should have hit nothing but Feeler and hit the ground. Feeler did this jump and arched his back backwards. So Ben glanced off of his butt and was able to go off of that then into the end zone because if Feeler didn't move, Ben would not have broken the plane. So I want to give a, a, a an honorable mention to Feeler for making the play to getting out of Ben's way to making sure they got that touchdown to win the game. You know, I think we have different opinions on this. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I think I think Feeler was real close to being the, uh, the goat of the game. Let's put it that he way. Was. He was. Uh, because huh? – he he kind of got lost yeah. because the play broke down. And Jack did get and around like him said, and got around uh, Ben's ankles the, on that play, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And last second, he saw Ben and was able to jump his enormous frame <laughs> at least out of the way. But, man, how awful would it have been yeah. if Matt Filer was the reason we lose the game because he's so big that he stopped Ben's six five frame from getting the goal line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, but, but fortunately he got no, out of the no, way. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, yeah. what a play by Ben at the end of the game. Yeah, that's huge. He made the, the play. Jacksonville took away the talk. Yep. They took away the talk from Vance. Yep. And, like, the, yep. and the other two routes that were ben, supposed to be, you know, quick release that, routes that by Connor and AB. A fumble. Yeah. That could have been an interception. Yep. But Ben was so calm, cool, collected. Yep. And just held on to it, said, screw this. And that play was so reminiscent of Super Bowl Forty, where he dove into the end zone. Yep. Because at first, it didn't look super clear. Yeah. Like, he made it. Yeah. I did think the ball touched the plane. Yeah. But, man, oh, man, that was uh, reminiscent of that championship. That's for sure. It definitely is. That's a good call. Which is something Jacksonville can't talk about, by the way, Leonard Fournette and (laughs) Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Hey, but hey, but they're two and one in the last two years against the Steelers, so they can uh, make hats or something, or put a, t- <laughs> a tinfoil <laughs> trophy together for themselves. Yeah, Yay, exactly. Jacksonville. <laughs> God. But man, so uh, so yeah, moving forward, um, it looks like uh, the injury wise, Steelers got out of that game fairly injury free. Feeler has a, a mild pec strain; he didn't lose any snaps in the game. And he'll be one to watch here as the the week goes on to see his level of practice. And because his job this week, he's supposed to be blocking Von Miller. So you're hoping he's going to be in there ready to go because Gilbert probably is not going to be ready to go again this week. I wouldn't rule him out, though. We'll see how he participates. I'd be optimistic, and I'd love for him to come back because Gilbert would do a better job against a player like Von Miller than Feeler would. And it would yeah. be nice to have his talents back in there to make sure that those those Big Ten sack outside linebackers aren't trying to bear down on Ben. So, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think he's going to – Vaughn Miller's going to get a lot of attention, as Tomlin talked about anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. you're going to see uh, James Conner in there, obviously, Rosenick. Yeah. 
Yep. You're going to see a bunch of guys kind of uh, out. shifting to that side. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tuitt has the elbow. We discussed that earlier. And Anthony Chiquillo did get hurt on the last punt of the game. Uh, it looks like an ankle. It's his right ankle. I've got an article coming out tomorrow night researching that in, in full, and I've got film on that as well. So we'll discuss, you know, what type of ankle injury that looks like it's going to be and how long he's going to be out. But I'm I'm hopeful he can return soon. It didn't look that terrible on film, but you never know how the, the torque happens and how everything twists and what the actual damage is until he gets the MRI back. Breaking news right now, the Steelers have placed linebacker Ola Adeni on their reserve injured designated to return list. Nice. So that must mean he's so, off of IR, one of the two players the Steelers are able to pull off of IR during a season after eight weeks' absence. So that's sure big news for Ola being able to return to practice. Now he has a three-week window to determine whether or not he's going to be actively rostered because the Steelers do get a three-week exemption, roster exemption, to see if he can practice and see if he can return to action. And if he can during that time, obviously, if he wants to play in the game, they have to roster him and they have to take somebody out and they have to remove someone from the roster. So, yeah, so 21 days to make a decision, as you mentioned, nice. to activate him or put him back on IR. Yep. Nice. And we're also in that same window of time for the pup list for Eli Rogers. Yep. I, I haven't heard any news on whether or not the Steelers are going to activate him, but if they do not activate him this week, Eli Rogers will not play this season. Uh, this is his last chance to return. But if they do activate him, he also gets a three-week window where he's roster exempt. Within that time, they get to decide at the end of the three weeks whether they're going to return him to the roster or whether he's just going to be returned to the to IR to finish the season. You know, that's an interesting scenario because mm-hmm. Twitter has done a really nice job yes. in, in his absence. Um, but I also will say that who... Who would you take out? Are right. you really going to bench Ryan Twitter? Are you really going to bench James Washington? Yeah. Yeah. You, I don't, I don't, and, and plus Eli hasn't played since January. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously Eli seemed to me like he was a break glass in case of emergency. The way that they put him on the pup, the way that they handled him, even though he, he wasn't healthy enough to practice this whole preseason. So they know what they have in Eli. They didn't know what they had yet in Ryan Switzer. And what Ryan's done nothing but just been an asset on both special teams and tough yardage in the slot. I mean, he's essentially the Steelers' Edelman this year, the way he's making yep. the, the tough plays to get first downs. And he's getting limited snaps. I mean, he's he's getting 10 snaps a game, but he's still coming in for two, three catches or two, three targets every game. So he's making the most of it. He is. He really is. As opposed to Washington, who needs to make more of his because he's getting 40, 30 to 40 snaps a game, only one or two targets. But, you know, I'm hoping he he keeps to increase as well. But like just to get back on track, you're right. They didn't know what they had in Ryan Switzer. Ryan Switzer worked out. So their break glass in case of emergency plan for Eli Rogers is not going to come to fruition probably because there is nobody to, to add him to the roster to get rid of. Like you're saying, the only person you can really take off of the roster at the wide receiver position would be maybe Hunter, but that doesn't help out the interior. He's I mean, not even, he's not even getting a helmet on game day. No, no. So, I mean, that would just mean, Oh, we're just swapping you out for another receiver. That's not going to get a helmet, but 
they also I have <laughs> different skill sets too. But like you're saying, yeah. he hasn't played for a year. It's not looking good that they'd be bringing back Eli Rogers, but they are bringing back Ola. So it, it's exciting to me to be able to watch him because he was making big plays and splash plays in preseason. If he gets yeah, up, give him a shot. Yeah, and if and if Chick's going to be out for an extended amount of time, and you're bringing him in to get some just straight on passes or straight on snaps to just go in and, and rush the passer and put his head down. I mean, why not? I mean, I'd love to see that. And also I'm, I'm interested to see if they're going to use Matthew Thomas as the outside linebacker, because that's why he was retained onto the roster because he's seen as both being a backup inside linebacker and was the backup outside linebacker. Cause the Steelers only carried three legit outside linebackers because they essentially had Thomas on the roster who could play both in case of emergency. So we may see Matt yeah. Th- Thomas this week making plays for us. And um, yeah, be I mean, Thomas has gotten ahead a few times this year. Yeah. He's, he's been active the whole year pretty much. Yeah. Um, let me check my so, list, I mean, that's... list here. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, he's been active all year. He has not missed a game. Yeah. But he's been obviously playing special teams, really limited on off on, Really limited on defense. His defense snaps are way down, obviously. But, you know, he's there in case of emergency. Emergency may be happening this week, and I'd expect him to see some snaps to relieve Dupree and to relieve Watt to come in to rush the passer this week. So moving on, we're going to Mile High Stadium, a place where the Steelers don't always have the best track record. But this looks like a better team with the Steelers moving in there against a Denver team that's kind of on the rebuild. I mean, you've got right now they're ranked as the number 22nd ranked defense in the league. They've got their 27th against the run 18th against the pass. They do better in points per game where they're 13th in the league and their strength though is rushing the passer. They're number seven. So that's one aspect of them that they've, they've got to be looking out for them on defense, on offense. They're, Actually, a much better team. They're number 11 in the league in yardage. They're 8th in the run, 15th in the pass. But they're only at number 19 when it comes to scoring points per game. So you're now you're going up against Denver, who this time you know, does not have Peyton Manning. They instead have Case Keenum. Not the greatest quarterback in the league. He's more of an average quarterback. He's more of a you know one-to-one touchdown-to-interception guy with 11 touchdowns on the season versus 10 interceptions an 83 quarterback rating. Do you see anything in Case's game that could be a that could help Denver win that game? I mean, we saw Case Keenum last year. Yeah. He was with the Vikings. That's right. That's right. Um, I forgot about that. And we were we were able to uh obviously get that W. But uh, you so know, he was the quarterback, quarterback that took him all the way to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. He's very capable, and he's more of a threat than Blake Bortles. So yeah. our secondary is definitely going to have a bigger task on their hand mm. with guys like uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, we all remember yes. him, very <laughs> talented wide receiver. Yep. Um, and then uh, they have a big rookie. I believe his name is uh, Cortland Sutton, right? Yep, Cortland Sutton, six foot four rookie. Yeah. Yeah, and he's the reason yeah, why big, they got rid big of Demarius Thomas. Receiver. Yeah. Hey, well, Demarius Thomas honestly was completely overrated the last few years. So. Yeah. I, I totally get that move. Yeah, big time. Uh, known for his drops in, in the later portion oh, of his gosh. career. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, offensively, they, they don't scare me a lot. I mean, their receivers are, are you know, Emmanuel Sanders is no joke. So yes. um, yeah. I, I would imagine uh, Joe Hayden will have another big day um, because he's really stepped up against big-time receivers. Um, but uh, yeah, if the Steelers get to the quarterback, I, I think we'll be okay from an offensive standpoint. Mm. Um, their defense really doesn't scare me other than, Obviously, Vaughn Miller. Miller. Yeah. Um, and He's their just an impact player. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, their front seven's really good. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's, uh, they can't, you know, sleep on Denver. Let's put it that way. Not at all. And I, they I fa- just beat the Chargers. Yeah, they did. And that was a, a, a great game on their part and some terrible clock management on the Chargers' part where they essentially could have salted the win away with just downing the ball instead of throwing an incompletion under the two-minute warning. and But kudos to Denver to putting in that, that full-length drive without a timeout to get that field goal to win the game. That was a heck of a game to watch. Yep. And an amazing thing happened also, I don't know if you heard, but after the game, Denver fired Adam Pacman jones He was their kick returner in that yep. game. You know, another backup corner. Now, would you see that as an opportunity for the Steelers to pick up somebody for depth on their cornerback list to pick up a guy like Adam Pacman Jones? Absolutely not. And what's your reasoning for that? Um, he's not a Steeler. He's just not a good dude oh, yeah. on and off the field. Yeah. You know, there's yep. a reason why he's been on, you know, 15 teams you know what i mean yeah he's just he's not he has a lot of issues between his you know violent tendencies getting in fights with people at the airport yeah shit like that and he's just no absolutely not yeah and we heard the the problem with the strip club where the yeah. security guard ended up being paralyzed because he was shot by one of his people and yeah oh great yeah that's not the best guy you want to hang around with you're right no absolutely not yeah so, looking at this game, are there any predictions that you have? What would be your plan of attack, and what would be a final score that you'd see going into Denver? I think the Steelers are going to bounce back mm-hmm. offensively. They're going to have a much better day. And uh, the run game will be much better. I yeah. think Connor bounces back, racks up 100 on the ground. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I see the Steelers winning this game. The, the one thing I'll say about the Jacksonville game last week you know, the Steelers have been notorious over the, you know, past, you know, three to five years where they drop games they should win. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that Jacksonville game, it certainly looked like that was going to happen. Yeah. Because record-wise, Jacksonville's not a good team. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers were losing that game up till the very last second, right? Yeah. So that's one thing I'll say about this year's team mm-hmm. is previous teams lose that game. You know, that's just, you know, in the in the Tomlin area era, oh, yeah, you know, Steelers play down to their opponents and drop games they should win, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Not this year. Yeah. I mean, that was a resilient win. And, uh, you know, this team, I don't see them doing that. Yeah. They're just a different group. And uh, that says a lot to uh, what Tomlin has done. And, uh, you know, I'll say this, mm-hmm. he's not getting the credit he deserves. He never does. Tomlin, Tomlin should be in the conversation for coach of the year. Yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent on that. He's in, like you're saying, with his past performances, 
going up against and losing to teams he shouldn't lose. The, la the last game he lost to a losing team was Chicago last year in September. Yep. And they had a fiasco before that with the whole, are they going to come out for the flag? Are they not? You know, that was an issue yep. for the entire league at the time. But ever since that point, they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, which is still something that you've got to recognize about Tomlin in his first 11 years. Win-wise for regular season, he's second only to Don Shula. So even though – so that's every every coach that's ever coached. Number two in wins in ele after 11 years is Tomlin, one win behind Don Shula. So even though he's dropping games to teams that he should have beat, he's also beaten teams that he shouldn't have beaten. <laughs> I mean, he's beaten playoff teams consistently. He's beaten teams with over 500 records to get not only never have a losing season, but to be one step behind who might be one of the greatest coaches of all times, if not the greatest in Don Shula. Yeah, casual, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, I mean, just even in the microcosm of this season, like we're discussing too with Tomlin, he not only navigated that entire issue with Bell in the locker room to just make it a non-issue. I mean, after exactly. the first week where the you could definitely tell the team was upset, they were told he was going to show up, he didn't show up. A lot of them were hurt. A lot of them blasted and, and came out on Twitter to be negative about Bell or to say, like, hey, we thought you were going to be here. You know, he, he, everybody was upset when that happened. But from that point on, you didn't hear anything really in the locker room about it. I mean, players had to keep getting asked about it and were annoyed that they had to keep answering questions about Le'Veon Bell. But the only people that were spun up about Le'Veon Bell not showing up until – he decided not to sign his tender last week. We're Steeler fans. Locker room was fine. They're stacking wins five in a row, now six. And now they're going into Denver, a stronger team. They're making great personnel yep. moves. I mean, bench and Burns was tough, but it was the right move to put Sensible in there. You know, grabbing Switzer and then before the season started was a great move. The defense turnaround from when they lost Shazier for the eight, eight games it took to basically right the ship, and now the def, you know the run defense is a strength on this team. I mean, it's it's a top ten defense now. This defense is number yep. number six in the league. So for them to go through last year when Rooney said, "Hey, you got to fix the running game, man." They go out, they get Bostic, you get Burnett, you draft some guys, plug them in, and you're. You've got more safeties. You, you, you can actually, you completely change the whole thought of your defensive process, which used to be centered around an athletic interior linebacker. Now is centered around bigger bodied, faster safeties that can tackle. And that was a complete change. So to go from, you know, the bottom of the league and run defense last year to now being in the top 10 and run defense. That's, that's a huge, yep. you got to give him credit for that. You really do. So having said all that, yeah. I see the Steelers winning this game. Nice. Um, I would not be surprised if it's like a 24-14 game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think Ben will have a statistically better day. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they come out with the win. Nice, man. Nice. I, I'm what seeing, about you, bro? I'm seeing it real similar to you, Brad, man. <laughs> it's... I mean, I'm super stoked on the defense. The defense over this past six-game win streak is just dominant. They're absolutely dominant. The defense hasn't even allowed another team 
to gain 300 yards in this win streak. They're just smothering teams. And they're Steelers are also right now the only team in the league that is top 10 in both offense and defensive yardage. Only team in the league. I don't see their run game, you know, uh, Denver's run game having much success against this defense, forcing Keenum to be one-dimensional, which gives the Steelers strength, which is pinning back their ears and rushing the quarterback. It might be a real long day for Case Keenum because they're going to they're going to try to force Case Keenum to beat him. You can tell just the way that they're they're selling out against the run and the way that they're stopping it at a really good clip now. So you get up a couple scores. Works for me. Yeah. And I, and I like what they've that they've improved their secondary play also and they're leading the league in sacks as we're saying. So for me I but I see the scores being similar. I, I see it being a little bit more of a ball control game, not throwing up the the big scores with as many drives as we normally would have in and more of a pass attack. I see it as also like a 24-10 victory. I just don't see their defense letting up points. Their defense is just such a dominant force right now, and they really need to start getting some recognition on how well they're playing as a unit. Thanks a lot, Brad. I really appreciate you taking the time again. And to make sure that we got the breaking news on the Ola story, having him return was was big. And thanks a lot for making sure that we're as well-informed as you are, man. Hey, man, I'm just uh, thankful we have technology that allows us to do our jobs. Be sure to visit SteelerNation.com for excellent articles and the best football forum on the Internet. Come on over and enjoy the fun. www.SteelerNation.com Thanks for joining us at the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Stony Brewing. I'm G. Stryker with Brad Lambert, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!